Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So I want to speak to you tonight once again on friendship with God. And those of you that were here last week, I, I didn't expect or even uh, have any intention to be doing this tonight, but I just felt I really needed to keep going. So I hope you're good with that. Amen. In verse 17, Paul continues to write. He's writing about this, this epic unfolding, and he's talking about how the glory of this new covenant and the glory within the new covenant believers so excels the old covenant reality. And Moses even being covered with a veil coming down from the mountain, this epic unfolding. I don't know what's going on over here. There's some joy in this side. <laughs> but, this, <laughs> but this epic unfolding of Moses coming down the mountain, he's just glowing radiant. He's just glowing radiant and shining with the, with the power of God all over him. And then Paul writes and he says that this veil... He said, it, it is taken away when one turns to the Lord. And he says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Aren't those beautiful words? But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by this, the same Spirit. Again, let's make this declaration over our lives together tonight. I am changing. Would you do that tonight? Say it. I am changing. So Lord's dream for our life as we behold Him, that we become like Him. I said last week that our destiny is to be conformed into the image of the Son. That is our destiny. To become in such union with God that we literally begin to bear forth the very essence, the very nature, the very presence of Jesus. It is my heart's cry that when people are with me, they feel like they've been with the Lord. That's not lofty. That's not arrogant. That is a new covenant reality because Christ is in you and he is the hope of glory. Come on. He is in you. He is Christ in you. He is the hope of our generation and the generations that are yet to come. He's within you. You are the ark of his glory. You are the ark of his very presence that he has chosen to tabernacle in. Amen. I want to share and keep expanding tonight about impartation that comes out of being in the presence of God and how we come into this moving and shifting from glory to glory and into a transformational lifestyle, a true metamorphosis of becoming as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Impartation from the Holy Spirit is real and it is biblical. And when impartation comes from the Lord, spiritual gifting is uncapped. Wisdom is then released. Awakening comes from dull eyes or dull ears. We begin to see revelation. And revelation, you know, it's, it's not that revelation, it's new. It's just new to you. 
It always was. Flight was always available, but it took us tapping into the revelation of flight to have the understanding and the wisdom to know this was actually possible all along. But it becomes revelation to us. It comes by impartation of the Holy Spirit that it becomes new and alive to us where we're quickened. Um, Many years ago, not so long ago, but a few years ago, my wife and I were, were ministering in Italy and we were on the Adriatic Sea. If you landed in Rome and you drove straight across the boot, you would be at the Adriatic Sea there where Paul was shipwrecked. And so we were ministering there, and the Italian people are just magnificent, beautiful people, hungry for God. And um, we, we <clears throat> was in a very large conference, so many people from everywhere pressing in, such a magnificent glory. And in one particular morning session... Uh, my friend Don Norai and myself, and Don, many of you know his writings. Don has just stepped into heaven not long ago. But um, we were doing a morning session, and some of you perhaps have heard me tell the story before, where we had an Italian pastor ask us a question, and he was asking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Don, he said, for so many years, the uh, Christian ministries and Christian evangelists have come to Italy and they have made us feel like we need their anointing. They've made us feel inferior to them and that we have to have their anointing. And as we listened to what this pastor was sharing, we really had to step back for a moment and go, okay, how do we really address this? And in just a, in a moment of wisdom and just the river of God flowing through Don's spirit, He said, we're not here. He said, Brian and I have not come to Italy to give you our anointing. We are here to uncap and release the anointing that already dwells and abides within you. That's so key. That's so important. You know, when Paul would lay hands on eldership and those that were in spiritual authority, he wasn't just trying to give them a gift. He was pointing to those that were already moving and exercising spiritual authority to lay hands upon and confirm spiritual authority. You understand? So when impartation comes, what happens is it it uncaps and it releases the reservoirs of the wisdom of God within you. It uncaps and releases that river. Jesus said it would be out of your innermost being that rivers of living water will flow. Rivers have to be uncapped. Can you see that tonight? And so it happens really through being in union with Christ. Because Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But abiding in union with the Lord, you will have a free-flowing river of the presence of God from within. Just a river of fruitfulness streaming out of you. The word of the Lord streaming through you, upon you, around you. Are you with me tonight? Paul goes on and he says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, he says, For though you have 10,000 instructors or voices and teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Notice that. 
You have plenty of voices. You have plenty of teachers. Yet you have not many fathers that are able to begot you, to instruct you, to give you quality, life-giving time, to give you that exchange of grooming, of rearing up spiritual sons and rearing up spiritual daughters that become mature. How did he do it? He did it through begetting them through the gospel, being a father. And that takes impartation. It It takes time raising sons and daughters. I want to speak to you tonight upon this word, impart. Impartation. What does it mean to impart? Write this down this evening. To impart, it means to make known. It means to reveal or to unfold or unveil a mystery. It means to tell or disclose or relate to. What does it mean to impart? It means to make known, to reveal, to unveil a mystery, to tell or to relate or disclose or to impart a secret, to bestow upon or to grant a share of. That is what happens when we are with the Lord. When we're with the Lord, things become known. They become unveiled. They become revealed to us when we're with the Lord. What He's always known, then we begin to comprehend. And He opens the depths that that Caleb was saying. Let's let the depth in God touch that depth in us when we're before the Lord in quality time of just friendship with God friendship with God of just being before the Lord he begins to unfold our heart like a rose and begins to breathe his life-giving presence into us and he gives us understanding and he gives us wisdom he gives us counsel he gives us that understanding we need it's how it happens it happens through the impartation and the overlapping of life. Are you with me? There's a there's a natural overlapping of life. You can have natural impartation and all of us have have seen this with families especially. You can see how mannerisms work and and people stand the same way. You can look at a son of a house or look at a daughter of the house and say, "Well, they stand just like their dad, you know, or she stands just like her mom or when she talks, she sounds just like her mother." Uh, I was ministering here recently at the Sarasota House of Prayer, and um, one of the young men approached Victoria, and he said, oh, my gosh, now it all makes sense after hearing your dad. (laughs) And it all kind of came into perspective. But we understand that. There's an overlapping of natural impartation of of a way of life, of how, how we respond and how we react, but what we're able to see in one another. But there, there can also be a hindrance of bad impartation. And that's where Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 33, he says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. One more time. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That means you can receive bad impartation from people just by picking things up you can literally become negative by being and running with the wrong people think about that you can pick up 
a negative impartation. You can pick up a judgmental impartation or a a critical behavior. Literally, you can pick up self-righteousness by being around other people or sarcasm or that which is demeaning. Or condescending attitudes. That can happen literally by just natural bad impartation. Hopefully I've got some good news tonight though for you. (laughs) We're turning the page on that. But also in having life-giving relationships and life-giving fellowship with one another, you can receive from other wonderful believers, people of integrity, people of honor, people who are godly, people who are worshipers. You can see the overlapping of behavioral traits of natural impartation and you learn how to become a generous individual. You learn how to become a worshiper in the family of God because there's an overlapping and an intersection of life where there is impartation. Are you with me tonight? I've, uh, I've been enjoying something. If you want to look it up on your own time, you might want to look up SinaiInArabia.com. You can put it in your notes, SinaiInArabia.com. And I've been on this fascinating journey with these explorers. They're like Indiana Jones. They've been on the hunt for the true Mount Sinai where Moses encountered the Lord. And they, they bring you on this epic journey. If you jump on the website this week, I know, I know I'm know i already going to be getting text messages and emails this week because it's just it's just absolutely fascinating. And these mountains that they found there on the other side of the Red Sea as, as Moses was there, and as we understand, as we jump into these scriptures, you find these mountains that are literally black on the top because they have been burnt okay i can't go there right now it's so exciting but go there go there this week it's called sinai in arabia.com you're going to love traveling with these explorers and what they find it is absolutely fascinating and then what they take you through at the red sea it is so powerful so anyway we jump into exodus chapter 24 if you will And I love this because we've been talking about friendship with God. And we've been talking about what happens in our interaction and our interfacing with God as friends. Because the scripture tells us that Moses spoke with God as a man talks with a friend face to face. And every single one of us as a child of God have the highest privilege to be a friend who intimately knows and walks with God. To know His voice and to be encountered by His presence. And you know His voice. You and I are the sheep of His pasture. He said, my sheep, Jesus says, my sheep, they know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. Nothing will be able to snatch them out of my hands. Let that comfort you tonight. We are finding ourselves in the, in, in the midst of the most wicked, corrupt, perverted generation on the face of the planet. But the good news is, is that the keeping power of the love of God can keep you clean, keep you holy, keep you pure in this hour. Somebody shout amen. Come on. So in Exodus 24, and, and man, I felt something right there. That was good. Verse 12, it says, verse 12, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on this mountain and be there, and I will give you the tablets of stone and the law of the commandments which I I have written that you may teach them. 
And the NIV, it says it this way. It says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on this mountain and stay here. I love that. Come up to me on this mountain and stay here. And I will give you these tablets of stone with the law of commands that I have written for their instruction. It's where my fascination likes to take hold of when I begin to walk through these scriptures because God desires friendship. God desires friendship. I, I lose it when I go to this place. When I, I do feel like David who says, Who is man that you are even, even mindful of us, that you desire friendship? You desire my fellowship. You desire my presence and my voice before you. Who am I, God, that you would want to encounter me, that you would want to be known by me, David is asking. Who who am I? David is, excuse me, Moses is invited, and he's invited up to this mountain to spend time in God's presence, just to be with God. And in Exodus 24, we go on in verse 16. I love this. It says, now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. I just love the wording of that. The glory of the Lord rested. Can we just stay there for just a minute? The glory of the Lord rested. I I love the wording of that. I've been going through Ruth Heflin's old book called The Glory, and she made this profound statement that we've come to love in this family, and it's this. It's praise until the spirit of worship comes, and then worship until the glory comes, and then stand in the glory. It says that the glory rested on Mount Sinai. History is still being written, and I'm telling you, there is a dream that I have been pregnant with in my spirit, in my heart, that God is going to touch down in this region, in this city, in such a way. One day, it will be heralded. One day, it will be declared. There will be a place where people will say, the glory of God came and rested there. The glory of God came, and it, it so settled there. It so permeated there. I've walked the grounds of a vacant lot that has been torn down of 312 Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. But we know the glory of the Lord came, and it rested there. I'm hungry for the glory of God. I know that we are the habitation. I know that you have the habitation of the glory of God living within you as sons and daughters of God. But I'm talking about a corporate encounter, a corporate level of experience where the glory of the Lord so rests upon us that we're marked. God marks a territory. That temple mount in Jerusalem that we walked on, it was marked by the glory of God, where the glory of God came so strong that the priest could not even stand up to minister before the Lord. I dream about a habitation of God marking us as a people, as a family. 
as pioneers after His presence, that His glory will so tangibly rest upon us. Man, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this place. It rested on Mount Sinai in verse 16, and the cloud covered it. It covered it for six days, and on the seventh day, He called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. God. The sight of the glory of the Lord. Listen to this. It was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. I remember, just indulge me for a little bit. I remember in the years of 1993 and 1994 of our church in Lakeland as Rodney Howard Brown had come into our church and the glory of God began to be poured out it was like it was literally like heaven on earth I'm talking 1993-94 and the glory of the Lord started being poured out it was so tangible it was like you could just just stick your hand up and take hold of the cloud it was so tangible heaven was raining And during those months, all the time, people randomly all over the city of Lakeland was calling and saying, the church is on fire. They were seeing fire on the church. I'm not talking about those that were going to attend the meetings. I'm talking about those who were randomly driving down the highway and Route 98. They were seeing fire being manifested on the church. They called the fire station over and over and over. The fire, the fire people, the fire people, the fire station. The fire people. The firefighters kept showing up to the church. Sirens lit, showing up to the church all the time. We got another call. Is there a fire? It was laughable. You know that happened at Azusa Street, at 312 Azusa Street all the time. It said the sight of the glory of God, it was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and he went up into the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. This is so powerful. What was it like just to be with God? Just to be with God. Friendship with God. I'm sure God was telling Moses, I want you to get acclimated in my presence. I want you to get acclimated to me. I want you to feel comfortable with me. I want to be your friend. Wow. What? 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 And now once you let your heart warm up to me in friendship, now I want to let your heart explode with my wonders Give you revelation of some things I want to talk to you about. About how to come in and teach these people how to come into my presence. I want you to teach them how to come up into the fire, into my glory. And there we talked last week how the revelation of the tabernacle was unfolded. 
about the revelation of the sacrifice of the blood, the revelation of cleansing, the revelation of the fire, the revelation of the showbread, the revelation of the illumination of light upon the candlestick of the burning menorah, upon the revelation of that altar of incense. And I, even tonight, I just, I just found, my, I found my arms as Cody was leading us. I just found my, my arms just in that circular motion, not even thinking about it, and just going before the Lord and just, just offering that. And then all of a sudden, I, just, I, I was like, boom, oh, there it is. And I was just there again lifting that incense from the altar of incense of worship unto the Lord, stirring that unto the Lord. That's what the priests did. They would drop the fresh coals upon that altar to have that incense burning up before the nostrils of the Lord. That's who Jesus literally was. He was the perfect, perfect aroma, burning aroma of God, of worship unto the Father. Are you with me tonight? And it was here that Moses began to taste of the glory. He began to taste of the splendor of God. And he also began to taste of things that were yet to come. And that's what God wants to do with us as a company, as a family. He wants us to taste of his presence so deeply of his wonder and his splendor that his glory can encamp upon us that we start tasting of things that are yet to come. Are you with me tonight? I'm going to say something here, and it may stretch you a little bit, but you're here to be stretched. Are you okay with that? Some of you ladies are like, good, you can have some stretch marks this time. (laughs) Some of you got that, some of you didn't. It's called bearing children. (laughs) Out of the presence of God, Moses was becoming like God. He was becoming like God. It's proven by the very fact that when Moses descended from the mountain, he was glowing, radiant, brilliant with the very essence of being face to face with God. Because as you behold him, you become like him. You move from glory to glory as in a mirror. It's it's, If we could have that image of just us standing before the Lord and looking Him eye to eye, face to face, that as we're standing with Him, beholding Him, we're in the the phase of metamorphosis where old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. And our heart begins to beat with His heart. His affections become our affections. His dreams become our dreams. What he's moved with begins to move us. But we literally, tangibly begin to look like Jesus. Oh, I love this. It was a notable impartation. Moses received a divine gift of spirit and nature and character of God transformed in the presence. I'm taking my time tonight. I I feel myself, and I don't know how it's connecting with you, but it's like I'm leapfrogging on the words, and I keep going, but I'm staying on these. I'm transfixed on these words, being transformed. 
And I think that the Lord wants to help renew our minds to what is actually happening when we gather and when we worship and what is actually happening here. If you're so bold to invite heaven to be in our midst, to invite heaven, tangible heaven and glory to be in our midst, you can erase anywhere in your divine imagination being transformed. We are changing. This year, we are changing. We are changing. Isaiah chapter 2, I, Isaiah writes it this way. Chapter 2 and verse 3, I love this. <laughs> I love Isaiah. He says, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. You see that magnificent picture. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. One more time. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of Jacob, that he will teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. I want to leapfrog over to Psalm 103. Go there right now. I know it's going to come on the screen, but put it in your notes tonight. Psalm 103, because it's so important to tie this together. When it speaks of Moses in verse 7, it says that, God made known his acts to the children of Israel, but to Moses he made known his ways. Don't you miss that tonight? Don't you miss that? It's so important. This is a revelation here. To the children of Israel he made known his acts, but to Moses his friend he made revealed what, is it, what does it mean to be impart again? It means to be unveiled. Remember, to impart means to unveil, to release revelation. What was God doing with Moses? Come up into the mountain of the Lord. I will teach you my ways. What was he getting? The ways of God is the heart and integrity behind why God does what he does. It's not just watching what God does, but it's having a heart that receives understanding so that God shares His very counsel with you of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So many times we're going through life, we're seeing it, but God wants to pull back the curtain and say, step back here so you have an understanding with me why I'm doing what I'm actually doing. Are you getting this? The children of Israel saw the acts of God. Meaning, let me give you an example. The acts of God was blowing open the Red Sea for them to walk through on dry ground. But what God was doing with Moses was giving him a revelation of his heart saying, I am your way maker. Where there seems to be no way. I am the way. What do I tell them your name is? I am. I am. I am your way. Did you get that? <laughs> Did you get that? Are you with me? I'm not being critical right now. 
I'm not being critical. I'm giving you an observation. And the observation is, is that the Church of America, for the most part, has highly undervalued the very presence of God. How do I know this? Because the church has opted for one-hour services that are highly structured and not really even interested about the presence of the Lord, and they're structured with entertainment. These are not my words. These are the words of A.W. Tozer. He said, when you come to church, you should never go to church to be entertained, but you should go to church expecting the high and holy presence of Almighty God Himself. I subscribe to that. And because we have so undervalued the presence of God, we have created an unhealthy relationship with God and about God. It seems like Christians would just rather be told what to do or how to think or how to talk. Or just to come and be inspired rather than lingering and being friends with God, lingering, staying. Like we talked about Joshua last week when Moses walked away from the tabernacle, yet Joshua, so his apprentice, Moses' apprentice, he so wanted to know God like Moses knew God. He was a lingerer. He wanted to stay and have that interfacing and that communion with God. Now, I'm giving you Old Testament shadow. I'm giving you Old Testament shadow. You and I are out there in the, the, the outer court, ladies and gentlemen. You and I have been brought through into the very holy of holies by the, by the blood and the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We need to learn the art of ministering unto the Lord. One day God said to Jeremiah, he said, I want to tell you about your ministry. Jeremiah, I want to tell you about the effect of your ministry. You're nothing but entertainment to them. I would say most everybody in this place, including maybe our visitors, like me. <laughs> you don't have to love me, but you like me. Or you're warming up to me. <laughs> Some of our visitors, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> but hear this. I have a real fear in this hour because the church has been so languishing that they're not really hearing the real word of the Lord. That you, you can get so accustomed to somebody's voice and presence, even your own leaders. You, 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 could just, you could just start taking that all for granted. You become so casual. You start treating it so commonplace. When the word of the Lord is being poured over you again and again and again. I want you to hear this word. Don't miss it. We have to capture the art of how to learn how to minister unto the Lord. Minister unto the Lord. Because the American church 
has been doing services after years after years of services, services, services. I'm not dreaming about another service. I'm dreaming about the glory of the Lord resting. The glory of the Lord resting. And the people of God entertaining the Lord with their worship. With their honor. With their praise. Heart to heart. Spirit to spirit. Are you with me tonight? We've got to learn to minister unto the Lord. It's like people want to come and they just, they just want to hear what we've got to go out and do. What do we got to go out and do now? No, you need to be with the Lord. I want to read you this passage out of Luke chapter 10 tonight. I'm going to read this passage out of the Passion Translation. It's about two sisters. Some of you are familiar with them. They had a brother named Lazarus. But these two sisters have this interesting scenario, and Luke taps us into this story. And I like the story because it just shows, it shows the human emotion, and it shares how we all can get flustered and so aggravated. I mean, right in the presence of Jesus. It's pretty cool. Watch this. It says in verse 38, in the Passion Translation, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home, and her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. And Mary sat down attentively before the Master, absorbing every revelation he shared. She sat down absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. And so she interrupted Jesus and she said, uh, uh, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sisters left me to do all this work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. And the Lord answered her, Martha. <laughs> And maybe he giggled, maybe he laughed. Ha, ah, Martha, yeah. My beloved Martha, why are you so upset? Why are you so troubled? Pull away, pulled away by the things, by all these many distractions. One more time. Why are you upset or troubled? Pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important. By choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted. I want to say these words. She is so focused. If I'm undistracted, if Brian is undistracted, that means Brian is focused. If you're undistracted, that means You're on high focus. As we were charting out this 2019, Bren came to me with this word. Brian, I hear the Lord saying, we've got to be so focused this year. And that's a true word. And then Jesus said this. He said, I won't. I won't take this privilege from her. (laughs) Don't you love that? There's something to be discovered there. See, because the Lord delights in being with you, He wants you seated right in front of Him. 
He watched the revelation of his love and power washing over your heart. Because when it does, you're transformed. You're new. You're different. You're radiant. You're shining. You've got a spring in your step. Your chest comes out a little higher. You suck in that gut a little bit more. <laughs> you try to hide the donut a little bit more. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look in Mark chapter 3. We're about there tonight. Jesus gives us this picture, and he says, and he went up to the mountain. He, he called those, verse 13, he called those to himself that he wanted. And they came to him. Do not miss verse 14. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. This is so important. Number one, Jesus calls you to himself. Before he ever gives you an assignment, he calls you to himself. I would rather be wanted and desired than needed. There is a difference between being needed than being wanted and desired. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Well, the Lord desires to be with us. He desires to be with us. Acts chapter 4 gives us a beautiful picture of the disciples. Verse 13 and 14. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Are you there? The scripture's there. Acts chapter 4. I'll give you just a moment. Acts chapter 4. It says, now when they saw, verse 13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. This is so laughable to me. And they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed <laughs> standing with them, they could say nothing. I love that. What am I pointing to? If people can tell that you have been with Jesus, that means you have been being transformed and changed, and you're going through metamorphosis. I saw someone here recently that they ran into somebody from Victory, and they didn't know that they were connected to Victory, and they gave me such a great compliment. They said, before this person even brought up your name in the conversation, I knew they were friends with you. I was like, oh, Really? Well, you know what that means. What a compliment. And then they found out they were part of this family. I love that. They looked at them and they said, they were puzzled. I don't get it. These men are uneducated. I don't get it. But they could tell. They've been with Jesus. I hunger for that. I hunger for that. That it would be your testimony when I'm with her. When I'm with him, I can see Jesus. I can hear the Lord. I feel the Lord's touch in their hands. I could feel the, his anointing, his breath in their prayers. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me? 
When you look at impartation, you can see this, this friendship with God and friendship with one another. You can see it all through the scriptures. You see it with Moses and Joshua. You see it with Paul and Timothy, Paul and Titus. Then you have this beautiful example of you see it between Elijah and Elisha. And I'm going to close with this tonight. In 2 Kings chapter 3, in verse 11, it gives us this insight that Elisha was the man who <laughs> he washed Elijah's, he, Elijah's hands. He was the servant of God who spent time with the prophet, and he washed Elijah the prophet's hands. He's not described in Scripture as the miracle worker. He's described as the one who served Elijah. Now, that's notable because of the association. Now, why is this so, in, why is this so important? I'm talking about friendship here. I'm talking about impartation here. Elisha was the man who washed Elijah's hands. And here's the key. You serve the move of God until you become the move of God. You serve the move of God until you become the move of God. That's what Elisha did. His testimony is, I want a double portion of Elijah's spirit, of his mantle. But the revelation of it is, was that he was simply the man who was there washing the man of God's hands. Wow. You serve the move of God before you become the move of God. Now, what, that's just, it's a simple picture, but you never forget it. Because how does it happen? It comes through the transaction and the interfacing of friendship with one another. That's how it happens. And it's how it happens with being with God. One of God's great love languages is just quality time, time well spent with you. With you. And men, that doesn't sound very macho, but it's true. God loves to be with his sons and his daughters. Amen. I'm going to close up one more time with where we started. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we, with, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's no shortcuts, is there? There's no shortcuts. The Lord wants to be with you. Cody, would you join me? Hallelujah. Would you put your Bibles aside? What a night we've had. Amen. What a night we've had. Come on, let's just praise the Lord for a moment. Come on, let's just praise Him. We're going to have 
We're going to have ample opportunity to get highly distracted this year. There's going to be so many things hit this nation. Everything's moving so fast. It's like the world is changing every day. The world is changing underneath our feet. Things are going to happen so swift. You're going to wake up one day, and it's like the whole world has changed. It's why we have to be undistracted and highly focused. Highly focused on our relationship with the Lord. Time with Him. Time with Him. I've been saying this a lot of years, and I believe it with all of my heart. One of the greatest manifestations of the glory resting on God's people in this hour will be peace. One of the greatest manifestations of God's glory resting on His people will be peace. Because of where we're going in the future and the vortex of what is happening and the shaking in the nations right now, God's peace. You shall go, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The scripture says, the manifestation of God's glory resting on us will be peace in the midst of storms and trials. If you're battling with an internal storm, if you're battling with anxiety or panic or fear or any of that, I'm here to tell you there's victory over that in the name of the Lord. And it comes out of simply being with the Lord, worshiping Him, quality time in His Word, letting it soak you, wash you, cleanse you, remind you who you really are, and you walk in peace. You walk in peace. He's accomplished everything we need for victory. You're so loved. Victory, you're so loved by God. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight if you can? And those of you that can't at this point, you're going to one day. Hallelujah. 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 With hands lifted unto the Lord, and if you could just honor Him and just look into His face tonight, look into the face of the Lord and let Him smile upon you and remind you how deeply you are loved and cherished by Him. You're not forgotten. God is not busy. He's not busy off making worlds somewhere. You are not forgotten. You are the apple of his eye. You are loved. You are loved. I bless you, Victory. You are a people who is being conformed into the image of Jesus. You are changing. Men of God, you are changing. Women of God, you are changing. You are in a glorious metamorphosis of the wonders of God being manifested in your life.
I declare wholeness to areas of brokenness in Jesus' name. Be loosed right now. Wholeness in the areas of brokenness in Jesus' name. Newness of life. Faith coming alive and increased in Jesus' name. You are going from glory to glory. As Jerry was praying over the offering tonight, waiting on the Lord. And the enemy has been trying to mock you over and over again. This year will be no different. Uh Oh, yes, it will. Because you're going from glory to glory. You're going from glory to glory. You're going from glory to glory. Grab a hand next to you. I want to be bold and pray this prayer. I know you're going to agree with it. Lord, let your presence rest here. Let your glory rest here, God, upon us. Father, Father, your glory rested on Sinai in a cloud that looked like an all-consuming burning fire of thundering and lightning. You burnt that mountain to a crisp. I pray, Lord, that you so rest here so tangibly that history will one day record, oh, oh, I was there. I was there. I was in the midst of the cloud. I was there when the glory of God so rested, so tangibly. I was there. I ask you to rest on us, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, to call us up into the mountain of the high places of your presence and teach us your ways, O God. Teach us your ways. Teach me your ways, oh God. Teach me your ways. That we may walk in your paths. Lord, untrain us from man's way. Untrain us from man's way. And train us afresh your way. Oh God, we're hungry for that, Father. We're hungry for that. You are the people of God's presence. You are the people of God's pleasure. You are the people of God's delight. You are the friends of God. You are the friends of God. You are the people of His great delight. You are His treasure. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there also will be your heart. I say to you, because you are God's treasure, you have His heart. I bless you. I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
God bless you tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.